0: So we are saved by faith alone. It's a gift of God. We do nothing except come to God with faith. We don't bring him anything else. He doesn't require us to bring anything else. We believe and he receives us. He saves us. He forgives us. He justifies us. Um, uh, all these things that we've talked about in the past uh, several videos. um, If you haven't watched those, I would recommend that you go back and watch those before you watch this one um, because I want to basically in this video is kind of to answer a question I think that will arise from um, what I've talked about in the last several videos where when you lay out the gospel, what it really is, the freeness of it, um, the simplicity of it, that it's by simple childlike faith in God, we trust in him, we trust in his promises. And as a free gift, he responds with forgiveness and salvation. We don't do anything else to earn that. We don't. It's not about our works and our efforts to prove something to God so that then he will accept us and forgive us. What God wants is simply that we come to him by faith, we trust in who he is and what he's done in Jesus, we trust in his promises, we trust in his goodness, we uh, submit to him. Uh, by faith and he forgives us. This is a free gift. But I think a question that will naturally arise from that teaching, from that gospel message is, well, then does that mean we can just do whatever we want? Uh, We can just go off and sin and live however we want. And, uh, you know, questions will arise about, well, what about um, passages that talk about the commands of Christ? What about the Ten Commandments? What about Jesus saying you must deny yourself, uh, take up your cross and follow me? How does that all fit within this idea that salvation is free and it's simply by faith? So that's kind of what I want to talk about here and clarify that because I think that's a common question that um, I've heard a lot. And it's a common question, I think, that even Paul, you see in some of the epistles that he preemptively would reply to that question. Um, in Romans, after he he preaches this gospel of salvation by faith, he says, well, then should we just go on sinning so that grace may abound? When you understand how free and simple and easy the true gospel is, it's going to naturally result in asking that sort of question, I think, because of how uh, uh, it's almost offensive to the human nature that feels and thinks naturally that, it's, that our progress, our salvation, our uh, getting ahead in life basically is always dependent on our efforts, what we're willing to do, what what we're able to do, our abilities. What the gospel says, it kind of flips that upside down It says, no, it's not about our abilities. It's not about our efforts. It's about God's abilities for us. It's about God's efforts that he's made for us. And it's about us receiving that. So again, the question that arises from that, does that mean we can then just live however we want? Does that mean that the commandments of God are then just thrown out and, and they mean nothing? That's not at all what it means. So I want to look at 1 John 2, verse 3. uh, John says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So the commandments are important still, even in the New Testament, we see that keeping the commandments of God is not something that has been done away with. It's not that it's, okay, now we only believe we have this this intellectual assent to uh, uh, the message of the cross to Jesus, and now we just kind of live however however we want. No, John says, and other places in the New Testament will make clear that a distinguishing mark between those who are true children of God and those who are not is whether or not you are keeping the commands of God. So we must, even with this gospel of salvation by faith, there is a necessity to keep the commandments of God. And so we're going to kind of clarify, what I want to do is clarify how that all fits in to this message of the freeness of salvation by faith. Um, James 2.17, this is another place where James will say, so to faith by itself, if it does not result in action, is dead. And so, yes, it is faith, that saves us, it's faith alone, it's trust, childlike trust in God that brings us into this right relationship with God. It's a free gift. But James will make clear, and I think this lines up with exactly what John is saying, that if this faith does not result in, in action, and I think the action would correlate with keeping the commands of God, then that faith is not real. It's not a real faith, it's not a saving faith, is what I would I would say, what I would understand from what the Bible teaches. So the question now is, what are his commands? What what are the commands of Jesus? What must we do to please God? What does God require of us? Um, this is the question I think most human beings are asking, even if it's subconsciously, they're they're wondering, they're wanting to know what what how do I please God? I want to please God. I, I we have this this uh, inner awareness, the law of God written on our hearts. We have these consciences that tell us. We should be certain kinds of people. There's a standard of righteousness, I think, that God has written on the human heart. And so we have this sense of, you know, Jesus says the spirit will come and convict the world of righteousness, sin, and judgment. And I think we all have that intuitive awareness of it by the spirit of God, that we will be held accountable by God for our actions. And so we know there's a certain way we should live. And what must we do to, to live in a way that pleases God? What are his commandments? What does he require of us? What, what does life of a life of obedience look like biblically? And so John 6, 28 through 29, that's a, a great place, I think, to answer uh, that question where you see that question being asked directly to Jesus. So John 6, 28 through 29, uh, the Jews, uh, it's the Jews who are talking to Jesus here. And it says, then they inquired what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, "The work of God is this: to believe in the one He has sent." Okay, so here we see G- Jesus is being asked almost directly. Like we're here, we're asking, "What? What are God's commands? What does it look like to to please Him? What What does it look like to live a life that is pleasing to God?" That's basically what these guys are asking Jesus. And what does He say? Uh, he says. This is what you need to do if you want to be a person who is pleasing to God. Believe in him. Believe in the one who he has sent. So we see that faith is, I think, the foundation of, of, it's the foundation, it's it's the starting point of what it looks like to please God and keep his commandments. Faith is the one thing that God is asking for here. By the very words of Jesus, the response of Jesus is that it's belief in him that God requires. So so why is belief so important? Why 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 is it that it's belief is kind of at the center point of the gospel? It's faith and trust in Jesus that God requires. Why is this so important in God's mind? Why is it that basically the commandments, the requirements of God right here are summed up by Jesus. Uh, Everything God requires is summed up by Jesus here in belief, believe in God, believe in who he is, believe in what he said, believe in his promises. So why is that? Why is belief so important? So God's desire for us is not that we would conform outwardly to rules and regulations, God's desire is for us to be transformed inwardly. He does not want servants who obey out of duty and obligation. He wants sons who obey out of relationship, love, and thankfulness. So this is this is this is getting at answering the question of why belief, why faith is important and why that's the key, why that results in uh, a life that is pleasing to God. That's kind of what I'm get, want to begin to answer. Um, by what I just read and by these the next scriptures. So so again, God wants not, uh, the reason faith is so important is because God wants inward transformation, not outward uh, uh, observances of rules and regulations. He wants sons and not servants. So Romans 2, 28 through 29 says that a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So again, we're seeing this truth. God wants people, he wants people who are not just devoting themselves out of duty and obligation to to following a set of commandments and rules. What he wants is a people who have uh, have experienced an inward transformation of the heart. Who who don't just simply have a cup on the outside that's been washed clean, but but one that is in inside is has been made clean. God wants the inside of us clean, and faith, uh, as we're gonna we're gonna continue to explain, faith is at the heart. It's the key to experiencing that inward transformation we must have faith to have inward transformation. If if faith is not the starting point, faith in God is not the beginning point of our walk in our efforts to please God. If faith isn't the the foundation, then it's gonna result in a person who is living in duty and obligation, living as a servant, a slave, not as a son. Um, He's living not out of an inward transformation, but out of a outward uh, conforming to, to certain standards and rules, out of duty, and not out of love, so God wants one who is a Jew, one who is who's who's His people, His son, who's who's been transformed inwardly, not outwardly. Deuteronomy 36 uh, says, "The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and live." So circumcision here, I think there's a there's symbolism of a of a heart that's been set apart. For God, A heart whose affections and desires and loyalty is basically attached to God and not, not lean toward other things, not lean toward the world. This is what God wants. He wants hearts that are circumcised to him. And he says what he, what he desires to accomplish in the human heart is not to, by fear and by rules and re- regulations, uh, enforce upon people a, uh, certain standards and duties and obligations that people would just serve him out of fear, and duty. He wants people whose inwardly, their their hearts have been circumcised. And again, faith is the key to accomplish this. Galatians 6.15, Paul says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So circumcision is something that is this outward physical action of cutting off skin, cutting off a physical part of the body. What, what, Paul's getting at here is that that physical requirement that God had in the Old Testament, ultimately that was a shadow, that was a symbol of of the cutting away of the flesh that God wants to do in our hearts. He wants to cut away the old man with its old desires and affections, its, its, its commitments to, to itself and our own self-preservation, our own uh, uh, prideful ambitions, circumcision is a symbol of, of that inward cutting off of that that God wants to do to uh, uh, turn the affections of our heart toward him. Again, God wants inward transformation, and that is getting at why faith is at the heart, it's at the center, and it's so important um, in relation to what the commandments of Christ are. So faith and trust in God is what brings us into a living relationship with God and gives us access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so again, God God desires faith because faith results in inward transformation. And so we see in like Galatians 3.2, Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? To be transformed as God desires to have this inward transformation, it's not something we can do on our own. It's not something we can perform by our own efforts and self-exertion. It's something that God, only God can do, only his spirit can do. And so we need his spirit. So then the question would, would be, uh, uh, let me backtrack. We, we need his spirit to keep his commandments. If what God truly requires is not, is not an outward observance to rules and, co- and commandments and standards and feasts and, and uh, uh, duties, but he wants an inward transformation, then we need to know, well, how do I get inwardly transformed? Well, the key, the, the way to do that is to have his Holy Spirit come in and transform us. We can't transform ourselves. We need his spirit to do it. Well, then the question again would be, well, how do we get his Holy Spirit? So that's what we're answering with these verses. And we see in Galatians 3, 2, where he says, he's asking uh, in a way, a rhetorical question. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? So the, the insinuation there is that we believers, these believers received God's spirit. It was given to them as a gift. As a result, none of them performing a list of rules and duties. And then God said, okay, now I'll give you my spirit, but rather is because they believed in him. They entrusted themselves to God. And then he gave them the gift of his spirit. Uh, Ephesians 1.13 backs this up and it says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So God gives his spirit as a result of belief. God wants to transform, transform people. That's what it looks like to keep his commandments. At the heart of what it looks like to keep God's commandments, it's transformation of the heart. It's not an outward observance of rules and, and regulations. I think most people will understand that and agree with that. Two, we need the power to be transformed. If God requires transformation, then the question is how do we get that? Well, here we're saying faith is how we receive the Holy Spirit. So by faith, uh, uh, the reason faith is so important is because by faith we receive the Spirit of God who transforms us inwardly and circumcises our hearts to God. By the simple action of faith, God gives us the free gift of righteousness and indwells us with His Spirit. This results in the transformation of our hearts our thinking desires, emotions, and affections. Ultimately, when we receive the Spirit of God by faith, we are enabled to have experiential knowledge of God's love for us, which then enables and empowers us to have love for God and others. So Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So faith results and God giving us a spirit, which results in the inward transformation that he wants. Um, and ultimately, I think what God is getting at, what God's, the end point, I think, is God's wants a people who have love in their hearts. That love, I think, is the primary motivation, the primary characteristic that defines who we are, that we are people who love God and love those around us. Romans 5.5, 5, it says that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So love is at the core of this transfer, this inward transformation. Love really is the the ultimate uh, uh, kind of end point, you could say, of what God is uh, getting at in, in this transforming work He does by His Spirit. And we see here that it's uh, faith that uh, in Galatians five six it says it's faith expressing itself through love. That's the only thing that counts. That's that's the ultimate thing that God is looking for. Okay, so. God is looking for transformation. Transformation comes by the Holy Spirit. That's this transformation ultimately results and it uh, uh, puts in us, by God's Spirit, he pours out in us love. And love, what does love do? Uh, well, love fulfills the whole law. Uh, the reason God only desires and asks for simple faith, he asked for, it, when, Jesus, when these people ask Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? He said, believe. Here we're seeing, after all we've said, I think we're seeing that the reason that Jesus says this, the reason God asked for simple faith is because when we simply exercise a childlike trust and faith in God, it results in love being produced inside of us. This activity of love being worked in us results in us fulfilling the whole law. So we started out with this question of what do we do with God's commandments? Yes, we must believe, and it's a free gift of, of salvation by faith alone. And, and that doesn't mean that we throw out God's commandments. So how do we keep God's commandments? Well, let's let's again what we're seeing here is, is it's it's love that ultimately fulfills the whole law, and we all know these scriptures that testify to this over and over. So, like Romans 13 10, um, Paul says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So if you're asking, what are God's commandments? What does he require? We see these places again, like we go back to first John, where it says, we know that we know Jesus. We know that we know God, if we keep his commandments. So how do we keep his commandments? Well, love, uh, if love fulfills the whole law, then what should we be pursuing? What should be our ultimate pursuit in our, in our seeking to obey God. Well, it should be to be loving people. It should be to be the type of people who have this inward transformation of our, our thinking and our hearts to where we know God's love for us. We love him in return because of how free he loves us, how nice he is, how kind he is. What that will result is a changed heart. It's gonna make human beings uh, uh, different. It, it, it will set us free from selfishness and enable us to love those around us. And then Matthew seven twelve, 12, uh, Jesus said, in everything then, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the essence of the law and the prophets. The essence, the heart, the core, the main purpose of the law and the prophets. These, this multitude of, of feasts, rules, regulations, these things all pointed to an ultimate purpose of God to create a people who has love in their hearts. And love ultimately fulfills the whole law. It's the purpose. If, if, you, have, if you have that love, like Paul says in, back in Galatians, uh, if you have a sort of faith that expresses itself in love, you are a person who is therefore, there, by that f- type of faith, fulfilling the whole law. This is huge. And, and, and this can't be this can't be ignored. These are giant statements of God that I think should help us to clarify um, what what we do with the commandments of God um, what it looks like to to be pleasing to God. So again a couple more to back this up is Romans 13 8 um, Paul says, be indebted to no one except to uh, to one another in love, be indebted to love one another for the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled, the law. And then Galatians five fourteen, the entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you come and ask me, you say, okay, I've heard you preach this gospel that you're saved by faith alone. What do you do with God's commandments? Uh, there's these verses that say we must keep God's commandments. And I say, amen. Absolutely. We have to keep his commandments. We have to have a sort of faith that results in obedience to God, obedience to his commandments. The question is, how do we obey? What does it look like as new covenant believers, uh, uh, with this knowledge of Jesus, who He is, what He's done? What does it look like for us to obey? Well, what we're seeing here, I think, is what it looks like. the 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 single decree, as Paul says in Galatians 45 that we can focus on, is loving God and loving our neighbor. If we are doing this, the testimony of the Scriptures here, over and over, is clear. If we are, if we have this sort of faith that's, that's resulting in this activity of a loving lifestyle. The testimony of the scripture is that we are fulfilling the entire law. Every, every commandment, uh, uh, every obligation that God put on the people of God, and any obligation that one might put on new covenant believers, there's, there's those uh, who would teach that we must, you know, keep the feasts of God. We must uh, you know, we must keep the Ten Commandments, which, you know, I, I agree that there's, we, you know, we have to keep the commandments of God. But what does that look like? Um, and this tells us that there's a truth in that, that yes, there are commandments of God. We can't just throw out the Ten Commandments. Uh, we can't just throw out those, those commands that God has given to his people. But we have to understand that Jesus has shown us, the new covenant has brought to us a new and living way to fulfill the commands of God. And the entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. That that means the Ten Commandments. Um, I would just ask you this question. And I think this is something to ask yourself um, if you're wrestling with this. If Paul says the entire law is fulfilled in the single decree of loving your neighbor as yourself, then if you have a faith that's resulting in love for your neighbor as yourself, are you fulfilling the Ten Commandments? Are you obeying the Ten Commandments? Well, obviously, yes, you are. Are you obeying the, the, all the rules and the regulations that God has set forth in the law? Well, this says, yes, you are. By that single action of loving, you you have been brought to a point of this new creation, this inward transformation that God ultimately desires, that the law and the prophets pointed to and, and is fulfilled in. So uh, do we still have to, t- to obey the 10 commandments? Do we have to obey the commandments of God? Yes, we do. Um, and we keep them, we fulfill them through exercising faith in God. When I focus my efforts in my relationship with God, not on doing things for God, not on making sure I'm keeping this list of rules and regulations, when I focus my efforts rather on believing in what God has done for me, rather than focusing my efforts on what I'm going to do for God, uh, when I do it the other way, I focus on what God has done for me, what that results in is uh, it's faith which results in hope. I have this hope for my life. I have this hope for myself. It produces hope for other people that I know there's this God who created us, who loves us, who unconditionally accepts us, who is kind to us, even in the midst of our struggles and weaknesses and failures. When I focus my efforts on embracing that daily, moment by moment, uh, when I'm feeling guilt, the guilt of my weaknesses, the guilt of my failures, the guilt of my sin, if I Turn to trying to effort and work and say, okay, well, I'm going to keep these commandments more. I'm going to I'm going to set down these these rules to to try to keep. Rather than doing that, if I focus my efforts on believing again what God says about who I am, what God says about His love for me, if I receive that, embrace that, that word, that truth washes us clean, and it results in this hope. Which again, Paul says, faith, hope, and love. We have faith that results in hope that then turns to love. This love is what God is getting at. It's what he wants from us and it fulfills the whole law. Um, And so this is why, this is why when we go back to 1 John 3.23 and it says, uh, uh, you know, we're hearing about God's commandments. We know we must keep God's commandments. In addition to to believing, we are saved by faith. But then like James says, it must result in action. It has to be a faith that results in action. So how does that happen? What does that look like? Um, There's so much more to this. But, uh, but I think, you know, we started out with first John two, where it says that the condition, the distinction between those who know God and those who don't is those who are keeping the commands of Christ, uh, keeping God's commands. And so the question is again, what, what, what are God's commands? So th- the interesting thing is that John answers that question directly. He says, and this is his commandment. Uh, and this is gonna, this is gonna, uh, sound, uh, very familiar to everything we've been saying so far. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. So if you're asking, what what are the commands of God? What must I do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answers it by saying this, this is, this is what God wants from you right now today. He's not asking for you to go out and do great things for him. He's asking you to not start out by trying to effort and strive and figure out all these rules that he requires you to keep. Uh, What he wants from us is that we would start out, that we would first come to him and put, put our faith, our childlike faith and trust and dependence on his promises, on his goodness toward us that we would get our minds and our focus, we'd shift our eyes off of our own goodness, off of our own abilities, off of what we are capable of doing for God. Yes, God wants us to do things for him. You could say that. But it, this is, it's so important that we learn to start that out in the correct way. We don't get the cart before the horse. This is all, keeping the commandments of God is all about doing it in the correct order. So when we preach this message of faith alone saves, It's not a message of, so then you don't need to keep God's commandments. It's a message of God restoring and bringing human beings back to the right order of what it looks like to keep his commandments. And we must put our focus on first believing on him, believing and and trusting in his word. Uh, And again, I think a a simple and helpful way of thinking about that and, and kind of rephrasing that is just to say that you get your focus you you don't lean. You don't you don't focus. Your your you don't try to find your strength from what you are, but you focus on you focus and you find your strength from who God is. You don't you don't lean on your own goodness and your own abilities. You lean on the goodness of Jesus and the abilities uh, that He had to be righteous for us. When we learn to embrace that by faith and we start out our pursuit of obedience to God by. By sitting down, by resting, right, by by walking in, I think the Sabbath rest. Uh, uh, God, when he cr- when he created the world, he created man. He he finished everything, and then the seventh day he rested. And I think he put man, he started man out from a place of rest. And then he said, from that position of rest, now go out, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue. In the same way, we must begin by resting in all that God has done for us in Christ, embracing that as a free gift of faith. And when we do that, it's gonna result naturally in the fruit of the Spirit manifesting inside of us. Ultimately, it's gonna result in the ultimate fruit of the Spirit, uh, uh, which is love, which will fulfill the whole law. And by this, we will be keeping all the commands of God. So you can, you know, there's, there's, I think many questions that would arise from this, um, about, does that mean, you you know, you should observe Sabbath or should you still observe feasts? And, uh, should you, should you do this? Should you do that? And, and, um, I think there's, there's a lot of freedom in the midst of all of that. Um, there it's, it's not a matter of you can't do those things or you shouldn't do those things anymore. It's a matter of where are you beginning that from? What's the foundation of you doing that? Are you, are you doing that from a place of rest? Or are you doing those things as an activity, an uh, effort to try to get something from God? You're efforting and saying, by me doing these things, by me performing these activities, I am thereby earning God's favor. Anything we do that is coming forth from that place, it's coming forth uh, from the flesh. That is the flesh and its activity to try to do for God what God has already done for us. So it's not a matter of you You can't, you know, don't observe Sabbath, don't keep the feast, don't, uh, you know, don't read your Bible, don't pray. Don't, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of you begin by sitting down, by resting and believing uh, in all God is for you. And then from that place, from a place of thankfulness, from a place of freedom, when the spirit, where the spirit is, there is freedom. When we embrace God's promises, it results in faith, hope, and love. From that place, there's freedom to, I think, Um, worship God, and worship for God can manifest itself in a variety of ways. Um, And so there's many questions that might arise that you can feel free to send us, to email us and ask clarifying questions. Uh, But I hope this begins to kind of answer that question of of what place God's commands have. What, What does it look like for a believer to obey God? And I think what we see is that what God wants our focus to be on is not this list of rules and and laws, but what he wants our focus to be on is effort toward belief, effort toward uh, believing in him. We need to get better not at doing things for God, but believing in what God has done for us. We need to get better at believing who God is for us, not trying to be something for him. Um, I know we say this over and over, but I think it's so important because I think we shift out of that so quickly. But when we stay in that position, of, of living by faith in who God is for us, it does result ultimately in what God is after, which is that inward transformation, uh, that love in our hearts that fulfills the whole law.